How you doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we discuss different holistic strategies for millennials of faith who are pursuing financial freedom. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite B word, budgeting. Enjoy! So you may have thought from the title that we were going to be talking about some other things, but no, we're talking about budgeting today. So I randomly got the idea to bleep out words that historically kind of have a bad rap when it comes to finances, you know, but they're not so bad. Good old fashioned budgeting. The reason why budgeting is so fascinating to me is because it is one of the very few aspects of personal finance that directly correlates with your life. It intersects with your life in a very direct manner. And that's why I get a little excited in finance now that we're talking about more of the psychological and the emotional as it relates to money because our money doesn't operate in a vacuum. So you can have the best budget plan, you can have the best financial advisor, but if there are other aspects of your life that you are not dealing with, those things don't really matter. So a more holistic approach to money management is beneficial for all of us. Now, what is budgeting? Very simply, it is designating and pre-planning where your money will be spent. And budgeting isn't so popular because depending on how you do it, it can feel very restrictive. Ultimately, when you find that good balance in budgeting, you'll realize that there is freedom in structure. It's nice being able to go to, you know, the store and not wonder if I make this purchase, will that mean that I may not be able to pay my rent at the end of the month? And budgeting serves as a way to make sure that we are making factual, proven progress towards our money goals. All of our workplaces have KPIs, right? Key performance indicators. Well, what are the key performance indicators in our everyday lives? we should be assessing that stuff. And maybe you don't necessarily call them KPIs, right? Sounds a little dry and stiff, but there should be markers for you to be able to assess whether you're making progress on your goals or not, or else you're just walking out here in these streets just aimless and you got a goal, but you don't know if you're making progress. So then what's the point of having a goal? And you know, that can be a very not good vicious cycle, okay? So to avoid that vicious cycle, I recommend assessing these five things in your life prior to financial planning, budgeting, all that good stuff. Assess your values, your skills, passions, and gifts, and knowing the difference, your goals with deadlines, the sacrifices you're willing to make, and your risk tolerance. So I talked about risk tolerance in episode three, and now let's talk about the remaining four. Let's start with values. Now, how do you get down to discovering what you really value, not the things that 
your mama told you to value, your great-grandmama told you to value, but the things that you truly value at the core of your identity, simply just play the why game. Go down that rabbit hole and then you'll get down to the core of what you truly value. So for example, you may say, I value eating out at restaurants. Why? Because food tastes good. No, really, why? Because I feel better after eating out. Why do you feel better after eating out? Because I get to spend time with my family members and my loved ones. Why do you like spending time with your family and loved ones? Well, because I travel a lot for work, so I don't get to see them often. And usually we can only meet up at restaurants. See, so you may not necessarily value the actual food or the restaurant as your true value, but you actually value spending time with your loved ones. Now, I love spending time with my loved ones, but it's the food for me, like the actual food for me. But hey, we're all different, and that's why I'm a huge proponent of customization when it comes to your financial planning. Another tip for assessing what you truly value is to also think about what you spend the majority of your time on. Not only just doing, but what you spend a lot of time thinking about, right? That's also going to help you pinpoint your true values. Then when you get down to your core values, then you want to assess Are these values valuable, right? Do these values actually serve me in my life and generally where I'm trying to go? Now, I'm going to use an example. So I am a mega fan of the show My 600 Pound Life. I think I've watched just about every season. And if you don't know about the show, it's pretty self-explanatory very obese people go on a journey to lose weight and regain their health and their lives. And at the beginning of every episode, every person who is, you know, morbidly obese, you can easily see and identify within them that their number one value is food. And that's just a fact. So If I'm a person on that show and I'm assessing my values, you know, you, you, you 600, you know, you 600 pounds, you value food. That is your number one priority every day. That's a really extreme example that I use because then you can go, what does that value really serve me? And with this example, it's very clear that valuing food to the degree that, you know, you get into the 500, 600 pound range is not valuable for you. So then if you realize that maybe I have some values that don't necessarily serve me in this current state of my life, then now it's time to do a little work and begin to pivot and shift some of your values. Now we're going to move on to talking about skills versus gifts versus passions, right? Skills are the abilities that we acquire through life experiences, right? So if I have a job as a general contractor with my dad, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get handy, you know, I'm going to have some handy skills. I'm going to be able to, you know, paint some houses, put in some new uh, flooring and, you know, do handy skills. And as you can tell from me trying to explain and give examples of handy skills, 
I am not very handy at all, okay? <laughs> now, your gifts are those God-given things that you do almost effortlessly. They are the thing that typically people call you for on a regular basis that you just do with excellence and other people fumble and twiddle their thumbs and you just glide right through that thing. And it's important to make the distinction between your gifts, your passions, and your skills because typically your gifts are gonna be in alignment with your purpose in life. Now your passions, not so much all the time and this is where things can get sticky. So your passions are the things that you personally love to do. They are the thing that you wanna spend 10,000 hours of the day doing. Now passions are not bad. It's great to explore your passions, but sometimes people think because they like to do something that that's gonna be your money maker, right? They think that, oh, well, I'm super passionate about drawing. And drawing is really just a hobby, right? Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank is notorious for telling people that their businesses are hobbies. And there's nothing wrong with hobbies, but it's important to know that sometimes your passions and your gifts are two different things. And because our gifts are typically in alignment with our purposes, it makes the most sense to spend the majority of our time focusing and expending our energy on our gifts. And shout out to Patrice Washington for helping me realize the difference amongst the three because I feel like that was a real big uh, game changer for me and I hope it helps you out too. All right, now we're gonna move into goal setting, right? Usually when you get to budgeting, we usually skip all the other stuff and then we go straight to the goals. And that can be problematic because we'll create goals that don't make sense for us. Setting goals with deadlines is important, but it isn't always about reaching your goals 100% of the time. It is more so about what you learn and what you gather along in the process. So, you know, write the vision, make it plain. Seriously though, visualization is really important. Um, I believe there's been quite a few studies that show that we are more likely to remember something if we do write it down. Um, I've seen studies that say as high as 20% more likely to remember something if you do write it down. And then you want to reverse engineer it. So essentially just take those big goals like pay off student loans or something like that and then break it down into actionable steps. Student loan debt is, you know, in the trillions, you know, and um, that can seem very daunting, but there are people every day conquering that big old mole hill of student loans. And the way many of them do it is they break it down into small pieces. So if you can only afford to contribute a certain amount, okay, then let's be reasonable about the timeline that you'll be able to make that goal and pay off that debt. Now, I also wanna challenge you when you are budgeting and making financial goals to also 
think outside of just paying off debt. Just paying off debt is one step. Whatever it is, I want to see, you know, 20% growth in my business. Make it happen, Captain. I believe in you. And you also want to keep things as simple as possible as someone who will create, you know, a whole Venn diagram and, you know, a 50-point PowerPoint presentation. That may not be necessary and it may cloud um, your mind and you may become a little overwhelmed, right? You don't want to create too many goals. For the majority of us, two or three major financial goals is enough sometimes even just one, because from those bigger goals, you can make smaller actionable goals that you can work on daily. Now, after you've written everything, gotten all your thoughts together, all your values and all the things, now what you're gonna do is assess your sacrifice, right? Really assess if you are willing to make the necessary sacrifices to make your goals in the amount of time that you want to make them and make the necessary adjustments that you need to. So I'm gonna give an example, right? All of us want abs, okay? Maybe not all of us, but 99.9999% of us want abs or at least a flat stomach. But now with you know the fitness folk and they showing they workouts, they're showing what they're eating they're showing the two-a-days in the gym, many of us may look at that and think, you know, honestly, it's not really that serious. I don't need, you know, necessarily the six-pack. You know, I don't need necessarily the flat, flat abs, you know. But because we then maybe reassess our goals, because we realize what it's going to take and that, we're honestly just not willing to make those sacrifices and that's okay, but then we can't be mad when we don't have abs, right? Because we didn't do the work. But because we don't want abs, that doesn't mean that we completely neglect our health. We still wanna make sure that we're taking good care of our bodies. And so the same thing happens with finances. You may not necessarily wanna be the next entrepreneur tycoon but that doesn't mean that you completely just forget and neglect your finances you know just because you don't want millions upon millions of dollars doesn't mean that now I just spend until I get that overdraft notification you know I keep spending until I can't spend no more some of us listening will have that determination and that sacrifice because as we know with greater sacrifice, typically will come greater reward. Obviously you have to be taking calculated risk, but typically if you make those bigger sacrifices earlier, you'll usually reach your goal a lot quicker. But if you're gonna be completely burned out, then that's completely useless, right? You don't wanna be living on ramen noodles and be absolutely depressed and sad and anxious and worried, but you have, you know, you increased your portfolio by 10K. So there's definitely a balance for most of us. Similar to risk tolerance, there's a spectrum as it relates to delayed gratification. 
some people will be able to go to the extremes. And if that means they need to eat cardboard paper and ramen noodles for a year, then they'll do it. Some people, it will burn you out and you need to take more gradual steps. That's why it is important to know yourself prior to investing and budgeting and the like, okay? And whether it's gradual or you're a person who will get it done quick, either way, as long as you're making progress, that's what really matters. Some amount of sacrifice will be required if you want to live differently. Now, if you don't want to live differently, I mean, I don't really know why you tuned in to your girl because I'm definitely trying to live a little different out here in these streets. But again, sacrifice is necessary because if you do what you always did, you're going to get what you always got. So now that we've laid down the groundwork, now we're going to get into the meat of actually creating a budget. So... Prior to creating a budget, if this is your first time, what I suggest doing is taking three months of your prior bank statements and putting everything into categories. Now, a quick caveat with categories. I recommend not having a miscellaneous category. Miscellaneous can sometimes get you into the trap of not accurately tracking reoccurring expenses. So if you must have miscellaneous, please keep it very, very minimum. But I personally don't suggest having it at all. For me, the easiest way to track expenses and categorize them properly is online. You can use apps like Mint, um, Personal Capital, things like that. And if you want to, you know, take it back, use an Excel sheet as well. Now, once you've gotten a feel for the different categories that you spend money on, you know, your children's, uh, if you're in school, school fees, you know, groceries, rent, mortgage, all those sorts of things. Once you've categorized everything, now it's time to create a future budget. We need to take into account how much money we're bringing in. So we will look at our different income streams. Now, if you have a standard job and that's your only source of income, it's pretty straightforward. You want to write down your net, not your gross, your net, you know, after taxes, social security, all that fun jazz. Now, a quick caveat, if you are using pre-text income to invest or to save into an HSA account or something like that, you want to use your gross income as opposed to your net. Now, if you have some variable income from maybe gig work, you know, you may do a little um, ride share, some food delivery on the side, or a budding business, you want to take the average net that you bring in from those jobs over the course of four months. So a quick example, in January, you make $10, February, $10, and March, $10 from your side gig. And April, you spruce it up, you make $30. So you add that all up and then divide by four to get the average. So 60 divided by four will give you 15. So you can add $15 to your income. Now, I hope your side hustles and such are giving you more money than that. But, you know, just a quick example. Now it's time to write out our intended expenses. 
So we first, first things first, we write out our fixed expenses. You know, your bills, um, healthcare expenses, if you know things are coming up and you have to pay some out of pocket, um, school fees, children's and all their things, right? Standard groceries, those things that you know you will have to spend money on. And then you have your discretionary spending, right? Shopping. Um, if you're saving up for a traveling trip, although I don't know how many people are traveling, but if you need to, hey, you know, no judgment, uh, just stay safe. Um, you know, um, entertainment, those things that we don't need to spend money on, but we like to spend money on. Some people rename it their fun money, you know, expenses. Name it whatever you like, whatever floats your boat. Now, another thing that uh, I feel I should mention is all this talk of, you know, 50, 30, 20. Should I do the zero budgets? Should I do the 80, 20 rule? Should I do, there's all these different rules. And let's not overcomplicate budgeting. Is your budget set up in a way in which you can meet your savings and your investment goals. Because yes, that is another part that should be included in your budget. Now, I won't ever knock something that actually works for you. So if you find that, you know, 50, 30, 20 works best, do it. Um, but I find that it personally does not help me. Um, the other caveat with those percentage rules is that it may be important when you need approval for something. So there is a caveat here because if you need approval for a loan of some sort, some lenders wanna see that you're only spending 30% of your income on housing expenses, right? If you are applying uh, for a new apartment, your new landlord wants to see sometimes that you're making two and a half to three times, sometimes even four times more than the monthly rent. So that is when for sure 30, 20, all the percentage rules will come into play. Need to, you know, make that clear. So you've got your income streams down, you've got your categories and your projected spending for the month. So congratulations, you have created your budget. Now it's time to assess. Does your budget meet your goals? Again, Budgeting can help you assess if you are truly living within your means. Many times we may find that we are actually using other things such as our credit cards to supplement our living. I know that before budgeting, I thought that I was living within my means when I was really just using my credit card to supplement my lifestyle, supplement it with interest, very, very, very high interest. Woo! In the process of paying that off, I'll let y'all know the update on that. So if you're like me and you realize, oh man, I am negative $200, negative $500 in my monthly budget, now it's time to pivot and shift, right? Can I deduct some of my discretionary spending? Can I create a side hustle with my skills or my passions that will allow me to afford the type of life I wanna live. Is there some type of trauma attached to my spending habits in which I may need professional help for? 
Do I need to modify my goals? Can I shop around for insurance, right? Lower insurance rates. All of these things are things to consider. So now that we have the basics down, I'm going to give you a couple of additional tips for budgeting. So pay yourself first, period, Pooh. I don't care if it's $10, whether that money is put into your retirement or just a general savings account, pay yourself first. Number two, use apps. Apps can help give you a clearer picture on where you're spending the majority of your money. And they also have cool features too, like net worth tracking, right? Another important financial marker. My other tip is to give yourself some grace. Finances are not easy. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it, right? It can be difficult to stare yourself in the mirror and get real about your habits and change. It's hard. So remember to sprinkle in a little bit of grace in there. My other tip is to remain flexible. I know when I first started budgeting, my budget was trash uh, because you're usually not aware of where your money is going if you aren't budgeting regularly. And although many of us do like the finer things in life, whatever your things are, for me, it's nails, skincare, and candles. I love candles. Anywho, we all have our things that we like to splurge on a little bit, but in your budgeting, it's important to know what is your bare minimum budget, right? What is that dollar amount you need every month to make sure that you can provide just the necessities? Because emergencies do occur, so it's important to know what your six-month emergency savings fund looks like, what your um, year right, emergency fund looks like. Some people go as far as a year, some people do three months, six months a year, whatever you're comfortable starting off with. My other tip is to find online resources that match your goals. There are different financial philosophies. Um, you have the OGs like the Dave Ramsey's, very anti any kind of debt. Um, he's primarily focused on debt pay down. You have people who are more focused on investing. You have people who literally have budget in their name, like the budget Nista. Oh my God, I would love to have her on here. I'm speaking into existence. I'm claiming it. Amen. <laughs> and then you have your more traditional forms of financial advice, financial planners in your state, financial advisors. And the good thing about finding a good financial advisor, or a planner is that they will be familiar with the specific laws that govern your state. So use your resources, y'all. You don't have to do everything on your own. Another tip that I recommend is that you have a specified giving budget. Money is currency, so it's going to require a flow. If you are afraid to give out money, well, then how do you expect money to come back to you, right? It needs to be in a continuous cycle. By excessively hoarding money, you can stop money from coming into your own life. 
It's very much a two-way street, y'all. And I know I mentioned this in the last episode, but I'm going to mention it again. For all of you that have spouses, have partners, don't be out here just moving and shaking, moving accounts around, moving money around without telling your spouse. So I hope this episode encouraged you to start budgeting if you haven't or to continue budgeting if it's going well for you and possibly help others out. Um, You know, money is a necessity. And most importantly, the reason why we want to essentially tell our money what to do is because if we don't take a hold and control our finances, our finances will start controlling us and dictating our lives ultimately. As much as many of us are praying to Abba God that someone will hack the U.S. federal loan services and eradicate all debts, it's a much more feasible idea to create a plan and budget and reach your financial goals. And I understand that life can come at us pretty hard. So many unexpected things happen. You may have to take custody of a niece or a nephew or a cousin. You may have to take care of an ailing parent. You may have an injury that won't allow you to work. And maybe you were on a really good track before. And now you feel like all of that work was for no reason. I am here to encourage you. If you have breath in your lungs there's still hope. So I hope that you take the different lessons that you may have learned maybe during your downtime. I know Sister Rona has turned many of our lives upside down. I want to encourage you to keep going and pressing towards your specific financial goals. Just remember, you dust your knees off, you pivot as necessary, and you keep it moving. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to email me at demcoins, the number one, at gmail.com. Also, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram by the same name. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? (laughs) I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.